Well, thank you. Uh, if you have children uh, ages kindergarten to third grade, uh, they can dismiss uh, out the back with Miss Melody. Um, if you are a child or an adult and are older than that, would like a kid's sermon note, those are available on the back table as well. Um, if you complete one of those and come see me after the sermon, I will have a uh, treat for you. Um, if you're staying with us, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, um, if you would like to head that direction. So today we're going to start our uh, Christmas series, and for many of us, the Christmas story is incredibly familiar. We can recite it, and we can retell it with ease, and for me at least, sometimes in the familiarity of the story, I miss the depth and the beauty of the story, and maybe more than that, the in the familiarity of the story, I miss the reality of the story. I think culture and just storytelling has glamorized the Christmas story, and sometimes it becomes difficult for us to uh, relate with. Remember that the Christmas story is a true story about real people who faced really difficult challenges. And yet throughout it, throughout it all, God used these people's lives and their challenges to bring about the salvation of mankind. God used ordinary people to give birth to the Messiah, to father the Messiah, to praise the Messiah, to bring gifts to the Messiah, and to proclaim his good news to the world. In the Christmas story, God used and called normal people like you and me to proclaim the greatest news ever to the world. So this Christmas season, we're going to do uh, one of my favorite things, and that is we are going to look at the Christmas story through the lens of the characters, the people who were a part of the birth of Jesus. And in that, we're going to see their, their challenges, their adversity, their fear, their role, and see how Jesus changed their lives. And my hope in that is that we can tear down some of the aura and the glamour of these characters and find we can relate with their lives, their challenges, their fears, and God's provision in the midst of it all. Some 2,000 years ago, the world was changed when Jesus was born as a baby. And when he was born, God invited these men and women to join the story and be a part of what God was doing to redeem and save the world. And the truth is that story is still happening today. God is still saving men and women, boys and girls from all around the world. And God saves by using ordinary people like you and me to share his good news with all that we meet. So today, God is inviting you to join his story just like he invited Mary and Joseph and shepherds and magi from the east. Today, we're going to visit one of the most amazing women of faith in the Bible. Mary, who would give birth to the Savior of the world, was at best an ordinary young woman. And today, we're going to read her incredible story and try to unpack what life was like for Mary. To see her fears, her challenges, her trials and storms, and to see how God provided and used it all for His glory and her good. So we're in Luke chapter 1, and we are going to read verses 26 through 56. That's a long passage, so buckle in, but we will, uh, we will read it all. So Luke writes, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. 
And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of, his, of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you this Christmas season for the, for the story and the truth that you sent Jesus to earth as a baby to, to come and to live the sinless life we couldn't live and to die the death that we deserved. God, we thank you that this Christmas season, through Jesus, salvation came to the world. And God, I pray that as today as we, uh, as we study the, the life of Mary, the call of Mary, and as we see your provision in her life, God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to our need to surrender uh, for the first time to you and to find faith in you, or our need to surrender our lives to your call and your desires for our lives. God, I just pray that as we uh, just study and unpack this passage, that you would open our hearts and our minds to the truth of the gospel message. God, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you so much for sending Jesus this Christmas season. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, when I read Mary's story, one of the things that always stands out to me is Gabriel's statement in verse 28. Uh, he says to Mary, greetings you who are highly favored. He says, the Lord is with you. What an incredible statement. You are highly favored. According to the angel and to God whose message the angel was carrying, Mary was highly favored. But the amazing thing about Mary's life and her story was that nobody in the outside world would have in any way called her highly favored. And yet that's what God declares over her life. Because I don't know about you, but when I think highly favored, I think of those who are important. I think of those who are elite in our world. Or I think of those that at least know people in high places and who have connections. But that's not in any way Mary. And so the first thing we're going to try to do today is answer the question. And that question is, how was Mary highly favored? And how is it that we, too, are highly favored? Because what we're going to see is that not only was Mary highly favored, but we who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior are highly favored as well. But first, what does what is, what is highly favored look like for Mary? Well, first of all, Mary was incredibly poor. We know she was poor because when Mary and Joseph go to the temple to dedicate Jesus, they don't bring the required lamb, but instead they bring two turtle doves. In Leviticus 5.11, there is this uh, substitution of turtle doves for a lamb for the poorest of poor. So Mary is not just poor, but she is the poorest of poor. She's a poor peasant girl. Again, I said I associate highly favored with wealth and prestige, but that's certainly not Mary. And the other thing that I associate with highly favored, like I said, is status and prestige. But Mary didn't have that either. Not only was Mary not wealthy, but she was a poor girl from the middle of nowhere and from the wrong town. Mary was from Nazareth. Nazareth was a small town that seemingly everybody looked down upon. In John 1:46, Nathaniel asked the question which seemingly everyone had. He says, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" Now, when I lived in Montana before I moved here, the Nazareth of Montana is Butte, Montana. Right? I don't get it, but nobody ever has anything good to say about Butte. Here in Wyoming, that city seems to be Rollins. I was talking to my neighbor just this week, and she was telling me her grandson had been offered this great job in Rollins, but he turned it down because there was no way he was living in that city. That's Nazareth. Mary's an incredibly poor girl from the wrong place. In addition, Mary is a young teenager in a culture who knew nothing of women's rights. Some scholars say she could have been as young as 12, and at the oldest, she was 17. She's engaged in what was likely an arranged marriage to a young man named Joseph. And so for Mary, highly favored meant poor, young, engaged to a man her parents had arranged for her in a middle of the nowhere, wrong side of the tracks kind of town. Mary wasn't wealthy. She had no connections and nobody knew her name. 
And then in the midst of that, an angel appears, and not only does he have the nerve to tell her that she's highly favored, but he also tells her that she is pregnant. Now, we now hear that as good news, but to her, there is no way that was received as good news. For Mary, with this news, highly favored goes from poor, young, engaged in Nazareth to now the stigma of an unwed teenage pregnancy. And in our culture, we have somehow glamorized the difficulties and the challenges of teenage pregnancy, but there was no glamour in teenage pregnancy out of wedlock in the first century. For Mary, this news that the angel brings meant public ridicule, public shame, certain loss of her engagement. And if Joseph chose to punish her, it could have even meant death. Now, again, I don't know about you, but there is nothing about Mary's life that I would call highly favored. So how can this angel possibly say that Mary is highly favored? In just a second, we're going to look at her initial fear and how God comforted her and provided for her in that. But the first thing I want to answer is how is Mary highly favored and how are we highly favored? Well, first and foremost, Mary was highly favored because of who she was giving birth to. Jesus is the reason she was highly favored, and Jesus is the reason that we, as his followers, are highly favored as well. So our first point, our first answer to that question is, we are highly favored because of Jesus. In verses 31 through 34, the angel gives her the answer to how she's highly favored. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The name Jesus literally means the Lord saves. Salvation was coming. Salvation was coming for Mary. A way to be made right with God was coming, and because of that, Mary was highly favored. We just listed many of Mary's struggles in the eyes of the world. Mary was walking through one big storm and trial. She was from the wrong town. She was impoverished. She was young. She was pregnant out of wedlock. Her reputation was shot, and her future didn't look promising. But the reality is none of those were Mary's greatest problem. Mary's greatest problem wasn't the things of this world, but her greatest problem, her greatest need was her sin, which separated her from a holy and perfect God. Mary was highly favored because of Jesus. It was her son, Jesus, that had long been promised that she was about to deliver and raise. And he is the solution, not only for her sin, but for the sins of the world. Hope was coming in Jesus for her. Hope was coming for the Jews and for the world. And so because of Jesus, Mary and all of us are highly favored. A way has been made right for us to be forgiven and to be in relationship with God. And Mary, she would have known that to a degree. Mary would have known the Old Testament and was eagerly awaiting the arrival of the Messiah like all of the Jews. I'm sure she didn't understand the details and what it meant for her son, but she understood that salvation was coming. The Savior was coming, and she had been called to give birth to him. And because of that, she was highly favored. The great news of Christmas is not that a baby was born. The great news of Christmas is that Jesus was born. That he would live a sinless life. That he would be crucified on a cross so that all who believe in him will be forgiven. That is the good news of the Christmas story. That is good news for Mary and that is good news for you and me. We visited this verse the last two weeks and we studied it in small group last week. But Ephesians 2.8 declares this great news over us. Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, but it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. It's not because of us that we are saved and forgiven, but it's all because of Jesus. We are highly favored because of Jesus. God sends Jesus to save, to forgive, to give his life for us. Not because of anything we did, but because he loves us, even in our sinful state. Most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the hope of the Christmas story. If you don't yet know forgiveness that is dependent on Jesus alone and not works, not your abilities, not your circumstances, but Jesus alone, then I pray that today is the day that you experience his favor for the first time. And so the primary way that Mary was highly favored and the primary way that we are highly favored today is Jesus. In Jesus, we have received salvation and forgiveness for our sins. 
Uh, this means we are completely forgiven. We are in a relationship with God. Our eternity is secure in heaven. We've been made righteous or sinless in God's eyes through Jesus. We've been made co-heirs, adopted sons and daughters of the king alongside Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are highly favored. And so was Mary because of the salvation she received in her son. But Mary was highly favored beyond this. Mary was also highly favored because God invited her into his story. Mary was not a passive recipient of salvation, but she was invited to play a critical role in the story of salvation. And so the second reason Mary and we are highly favored is because of our call. We are highly favored because of our call. Now, call is a Christian word, uh, but it just means the role that God has called us to play in his saving story. And for Mary, that role was to be the mother of Jesus. And we see she understands this favor by the time we get to her song. Mary says in verse 46 and through 49, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. God has chosen this humble, sinful Poor, engaged married girl, uh, engaged girl to give birth and raise the Messiah, the hope of the world. What an incredible blessing to play a role in God's salvation for the world. And although it was scary, although it was difficult, although it hurt her reputation, God had given her a role to play, and because of that, she was highly favored. One commentator I read said it like this God's favor does not automatically bring instant success or fame. His blessing on Mary. The honor of being the mother of the Messiah would lead to much pain. Her peers would ridicule her. Her fiancé would come close to leaving her. Her son would be rejected and murdered. But through her son would come the world's only hope. And this is why Mary has been praised by countless generations as a young girl who found favor with God. We don't praise and worship Mary. We praise and worship Jesus But we celebrate Mary because of her surrender, an example of faith to play out the role God has called her to. But here's the deal. Mary and the characters in the Bible weren't the only ones called to be a part of God's story. Every follower of Jesus, including you and I, have been called to play a role in God's story. We, like Mary, have each been given a call, a purpose, a mission to play in God's redemptive story. And our call comes straight from Jesus. He says in Matthew 28, 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Our call, our role to play is to go and make disciples wherever God has placed us. To live for the glory of God. To honor God in our work and all that we do. To love and to serve and to tell our friends, neighbors, co-workers, family members about the hope and forgiveness that comes through and in Jesus alone. And in that call, in that role, we are highly favored. What a gift, what a blessing it is to have purpose and a reason to live each morning. God has chosen to use you and I as his vessel for spreading his name. And in that, we are highly favored. I know we talk about this often, but I absolutely love this because God has a purpose, a mission, and a reason for each and everything and everywhere you go. Your job, your neighborhood, your schools, your clubs are not an accident. But instead, they are a divine opportunity to live out your calling in God. God has placed you where you are, where you work, each and every day with a purpose. And that purpose is to honor God in the way you work by doing your best, by being great. Your purpose is to love, to serve, and to share the hope of Jesus with those around you. You are loved, you are forgiven, and your life has a purpose in Jesus. And in that, you are highly favored. This is such an amazing thing that God gives everything we do a purpose and that he invites us to join his mission, his story, his team. When you live your life for God's story and not your own, you will make an eternal difference. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it for the glory of God. So this week, I want to challenge you to pause and think about the job you have, the, the places and the people God has placed in your life. And instead of just thinking of those as, as things you do, I want you to think of it as a calling and, and write down the names of the people and the ways uh, and the places God has placed you and the ways that you can share Jesus where he's called you. 
pray for those around you that God would move in their lives, that they would experience forgiveness of sins in Jesus, and that God would bless you with a role to play in their salvation story. Pray that your decisions, your actions, and your words would lead them to Jesus. It's amazing. God could have chosen any means to declare his salvation to the world. And yet he has chosen the church. He has chosen you and he has chosen me to declare the good news. God has put you on the shift in the crew you are in for a reason. He's put you in the classroom in the school you're in for a reason. He's put your kids on that other kid's team for a reason. And that reason is that you would love and share Jesus with the people he places in your path. My prayer is that we would take that seriously, that we would consider it a blessing, that we would freely tell people about the hope of Jesus. Everything you do has a purpose because of Jesus, and in that you are highly favored. So Mary and us, and us as believers, we are highly favored first and foremost because of our salvation through Jesus, and secondly because we have been given the blessing of a purpose and a call to make Jesus known to the world. But here's the deal. I know the reality that God has called us to share his story with our friends and our neighbors can be scary and it can be intimidating. And what we see in this story is that Mary, whose call, whose role made her highly favored, also led to fear in her life. So that's our next point. Our call can or often does lead to fear. We see Mary's initial response in verse 29. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at the angel's words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And then in verse 34, she questions, how will this be since I am a virgin? Mary is troubled at the angel's words. You get the sense she asks, why me? And then she says, how is this even possible? And oftentimes I think we experience the same emotions and we ask the same questions when we are called by God to do something unexpected or out of our comfort zone. Mary is troubled and I don't blame her. Again, that's the same story with us. When God calls us to do something, it leads to questions and to fear. And again, call can mean so many different things in our lives. We talked about it. We're all under a general call to glorify God in the way we live our lives, to love and to serve and to tell our neighbors uh, about about Jesus. Uh, But God often also calls us to specific things. Sometimes he calls us to or leads us to to teach children about Jesus, to to a specific ministry at church, to give regularly to God's work, to step out of our comfort zone and sing on a worship team, to help a neighbor in need. And then beyond that, there are some that God calls to to give their life to the ministry of the gospel, to the role of a pastor, a missionary, a worship leader, and so on. In fact, it's my prayer that, that God would call many out of our church especially many in our children's ministry and those down there in the children's church classroom to one day be pastors and missionaries that proclaim the good news of Jesus all over the world. But the reality is anytime God calls us to do something, anytime he calls us to talk to someone, to share, to walk across the street, it will be a step out of our comfort zone and it's going to lead to questions and to fear. And that's Mary. Luke specifically tells us that she was troubled at the angel's words, O favored one. Who am I, she asked, for you to show up in all your heavenly glory telling me that I am someone special? We say the same thing. Who am I, God, that you could use me? Who am I, God, that I could lead someone else to faith? Who am I, God, that I could teach someone about you? God, I know I'm not perfect. God, I know I don't know everything. God, I can't afford to risk a friendship. God, I can't afford to help that person in need. God, I can't afford to give anything. God, who am I? that you could use me. And then Mary says, how can this even be? How is it possible? She humbly doubts because it doesn't make sense to her and and what she knows and what she's experienced. And so she asks in humility, how can this be? In Luke 1.37, the angel uh, gives uh, gives her one of the greatest faith-building statements in the Bible. The angel says to her, for nothing will be impossible with God. And that's what God says to us in our doubts as well. Nothing is impossible with God. When we start to think, who am I or how can this be? We remember and we hold on to this verse. Nothing is impossible with God. It is God that can change the lives of those far from him. Our call is to be obedient. God can change the lives of family members who we grieve for. We are just to be faithful to pray and be a light. God is the sustainer and provider. We are called to be faithful. So when the all-knowing, all-powerful God calls you to do something, 
and you trust in him to do it, you're not trusting in your ability or knowledge, but you're trusting in his. But here's the amazing thing about this story. And what I love about God is he doesn't just give Mary this theoretical in the clouds answer, but then he provides in very practical and tangible ways. God is faithful to Mary just as he always is. The angel tells her that God is all she needs, and then he provides and is all she needs. So when Mary fears and we fear, God answers and he is all we need. So that's our our next point. God is the solution to our fears, and he provides all that we need. God doesn't just give Mary a theoretical in the clouds answers, but he provides quite tangibly for her physical, emotional, spiritual, and tangible needs. Look at this. This is amazing. The first way he does this is by calming her fears. He tells her that her relative, Elizabeth, is already pregnant and with child. And this proves to Mary that God is able and that this baby is of him. Elizabeth was old and barren, and yet God provided a miraculous child just as he was doing with Mary. This was tangible evidence to Mary of God's power. It would have been a tremendous comfort. And when we doubt, we just need to look around and be reminded of God's faithfulness, of his ability, and of his goodness. Take a moment and step outside and look around at the intricacies and and beauty of nature that God has created and he holds in his hands. Be reminded of his power. Reflect on your life and how God has been faithful in the midst of difficult situations in the past. Listen to the testimony of God's faithfulness and salvation in the lives of others. And be reminded of his goodness and power. When we are full of fear, look to God and be reminded and assured of his power and his goodness. And so the first thing he does is he calms Mary's fear by providing evidence of who he is and his capabilities. After the visit with the angel, then it says Mary hurried off to visit her her relative Elizabeth. And it says she stayed with her for three months. And so God doesn't just prove himself, but he provides Mary with a friend, with a relational, physical, and emotionally safe place. And for three months, God provides Mary with a place of peace, of comfort, of friendship, and of encouragement. In the midst of fear, God put the right person in Mary's life for her time of need. He put the one person that was a reminder of God's faithfulness and His power. He put the one person uh, that could understand the reality of a shocking pregnancy. He put the one person that could sympathize with the trials and discomforts of pregnancy. He put the one person that she could share the journey with. He put the one person that could celebrate and share the joy alongside her. And as we read this section, we see that Mary's time with Elizabeth turns her fear to joy and to worship. God provides for Mary exactly what she needed in her time of fear. And the truth is, in the same way, God, when God calls us to do something that seems impossible or hard, or we question whether it's worth it, we can always trust that he will be what we need and that he will provide all that we need. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, quoting the Old Testament, says this. It says, never will I, speaking of God, leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What a comforting truth. God will not leave us. Just as he didn't leave Mary. And he will provide just what we need if we follow him. But the amazing thing here is that God's provision is not just theory, but it's practical. Another tremendous reminder of this, just this story of Elizabeth and Mary, is it for us that we should be kind and loving to those that God brings in our lives. It just might be that God desires to use you and me to be an Elizabeth in the life of a friend or family member that is struggling, that is fearful, that is facing the unknown. He may have called you to be that friend, that balm of peace in their life. So look to build others up and encourage them in their walk with their Lord. I would love to have heard the conversations that went on between Elizabeth and Mary. Those conversations that turned her fear to joy. God has not created us to walk through this journey alone, but he has given us a church, friends to lean on, to be encouraged by, and to be reminded of who God is, and to always call us back to him. And also, when we are facing something hard, when we are afraid, don't give in to the temptation to isolate ourselves but, and try to do it on our own. Be open to the people that God's going to bring alongside you to encourage you wherever they are. Mary and Elizabeth, they weren't the same age, they weren't in the same town, but God brought them together for a time and they supported one another in the Lord. 
Don't let pride keep you from the support that God has placed in your life to help you fulfill your call. But again, this is amazing. God doesn't just provide in theory, he doesn't just provide for emotional needs, but God provides all that she needs to fulfill her calling. First of all, he promises her a son, and he gives her a son. God promises a miraculous baby, and he delivers her a baby born to her as a virgin. In addition, the greatest fear of this unexpected pregnancy would have been the potential of physical harm and the likelihood that her fiancé Joseph would leave her. But we see in Matthew 1 that God is in this detail too. It says that Joseph was a good man and it's set to divorce her quietly, but God sends an angel to him and explains that the baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit and that he was still to take Mary as his wife. God is in the details. He provides for her greatest worldly fear. He provides what she needs. God is in the details as he provides a stable for her to give birth in. He is in the details that she survived the journey to Bethlehem and didn't have the baby alongside the road. He is in the details as he sends the angel to tell the good news to the shepherds who would come and worship. He is in the details as he sends the wise men to come and worship and bring gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We'll get to their story in the coming weeks, but, but many scholars agree that these gifts would provide the resources for Mary and Joseph to flee from Herod to Egypt. Now, did God provide all that they wanted, all the comforts they likely desired? No, but he provided all that they needed. He didn't provide a five-star hotel to give birth in, but he provided shelter. He didn't provide abundant material wealth, but he provided for her necessary resources. And in the same way, when we fear whatever it is God is calling us to do, we can trust that he is in the details and he is our provider. Going back to what the angel said to Mary's fear, nothing is impossible with God. So when you think about your life, what is it that God is calling you to do? What is it that you fear about that call? The encouragement today would be to turn that fear over to God and trust it to Him. All right, last thing I want us to see today, and that is that God's call, His favor, leads to worship and surrender. As a follower of Jesus, you are highly favored. You have been given salvation through Jesus. You have been called and given a purpose and a mission for your life. And God has provided and will provide in miraculous ways. You are called and you are highly favored. That in and of itself should lead to worship, and that is Mary's story. This, uh, this section concludes with her Magnificat, or her song of praise to the, Lord's, to the Lord. Her life is falling apart in the eyes of the world, but she has experienced God and His grace and His goodness, and because of that, she stops and she praises Him. So often we will praise God when life is good and comfortable in the eyes of the world, but Mary praises God because of the favor she has found in Him, And that is so much more valuable. Mary comes to God here in complete humility because she knows that she is unworthy of salvation in this role. She's not from a powerful family. She has no money. She has no authority. And yet God has given her salvation and chose her for this great role in his plan. So she praises him. In this song of praise, there are 17 descriptions of who God is, of his characteristics and his mighty works. And the reality is, no matter what is going on in your life, if you have experienced God's favor, His forgiveness, His salvation, then you have a reason to praise Him. Celebrate, ponder, and abide in the salvation and call you have from God. Luke 2.19, it says, After the birth of Jesus, it says that Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. When was the last time you paused to ponder and treasure your salvation, and treasure all that God has done for you, and treasure the call He has placed on your life. When we ponder our salvation and treasure it, we can't help but be led to worship, and that's what Mary does in verses 46 through 55. So I'd encourage you this week to go back and reread Mary's song. Think about how God has saved you. Think of how He's provided for you. Think of how He has called you, and think of His love for you. And as you do so, would you treasure God's work in your life and ponder it in your heart? Let your story of faith lead you to worship and praise. Pastor J.D. Greer shared his strategy for refocusing his thinking around the truth of God. He said, I pray, God, help me to know what I already know until it reshapes my emotions. Until all the disappointments and pains and injustices of the world get swallowed up in the hope that I have in you. Until I willingly take my hands off all that I have because, what I have in, because of what I have in you. 
until I can say from the depths of my heart, in Christ, I can give up everything because in Christ, I already have all that I need. Until I burst into song in my hour of death, when my relationships crumble, when I feel destitute, and I can say, I will not fear because I have favor and every promise is yes in Jesus. Each of us are highly favored by God. And my prayer is that it would lead us to worship Him, and it would lead us to obedience to follow Him, just as it did for Mary. In verse 38, Mary says this in response to what the angel says. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you said. The world would be a different place if God's people understood who they are in God, what He is calling them to do, and they responded by praying, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you said. So today, as we begin to respond, what is it that God is calling you to do? Who is he calling you to go to, to share with, to serve, to love in God's name this Christmas season? And as God reveals that to you, will you pray, I am the Lord's servant, just as Mary did. Melinda's going to come and play, but I want to, again, just give us a few opportunities to Uh, respond, and then we will bow our heads and pray. First of all, if you're here and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is good news today. Just as the angel came to Mary and called her highly favored because of her son, Jesus, that too is offered to you today. Jesus has come to forgive your sins if you will surrender, receive, and follow him. Mary didn't have favor because she was sinless, but she was favored because of what Jesus would do in her place. And he has done the same for you. He has taken the penalty for your sins to the cross, and he offers you complete forgiveness for your sins if you will receive it and follow him. So today in your seat, you can humbly pray with a surrendered heart, God, I need a Savior. I am a sinner. And you can surrender your life, turn and make him Lord, and trust and follow him. And the Bible says if you do that, you will be forgiven. On the other hand, you might be a follower of Jesus, and God is calling you to to do something. And maybe you're here today and you are crippled by fear of what God is calling you to do. For, today, for you today, maybe this is the day that you give those to the Lord. And you may, as we pray, you may need to ask in humility the questions of how and why that Mary asked. And then you may need to pray that prayer of surrender that Mary did, trusting the Lord's timing and provision. Saying to the Lord, I am your servant. May it be as you desire. Maybe today you need to lay your fear down and turn it to worship, surrendering to what God is calling you to do. Would you say today, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me, as you said. So if you'll bow your heads and pray, I would just ask you where you are to think about uh, how it is that you are highly favored. If you're here today and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, maybe today is the day that you surrender your life, or you come and talk and, and ask your questions whether or not you're ready to trust him. Would you think of what God is calling you to do? And would you surrender to him today? Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for this Christmas season.
God, we thank you for the truth that Jesus came and he was born of a virgin, that he would live the sinless life we couldn't live, that he would die on the cross and take the penalty that our sin deserved, that he would offer forgiveness of sins and eternal life to all that would trust in him. So, Lord, we thank you for this Christmas season. God, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know that truth, hasn't experienced that truth and that favor in their life, that they would surrender, that they would come and talk and ask their questions today. And God, I pray for the many here that, 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 that have experienced your salvation, Lord, that we would rest in the fact and the truth that we are highly favored this week. God, that we would find our joy and our worship in that. And God, I pray that we would turn our fears over to you, Lord, and that we would live out our call to glorify you in all that we do and to love and to serve our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and point them to the, to the hope available in you. God, will we be people that take our call seriously and declare your name to our community. God, we love you so much and we thank you for our salvation and we thank you that you have given us a purpose and a mission in this life. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I got a few announcements. Actually, I got a, I got a bunch of announcements for us, so you can uh, you can hold tight. First of all, if you're new to Living Hope Church, there should be a uh, welcome card somewhere in front of you. If you wouldn't mind filling that out and placing it in the ba uh, box on the back table, uh, we would appreciate that. That's also you can place your tithes and offerings if you consider this your church home. Uh, and then in terms of announcements, we have a small group that meets small group Bible study that meets here at the church from six to seven on Sunday nights. Uh, we'd love to have you join us uh, for that. Uh, we have youth group and kids night that meet here at the church uh, from 6 to 7 on Wednesday nights. Uh, in addition to that, the youth Christmas party will be this Wednesday, uh, December 8th. And the kids Christmas party will be uh, the next Wednesday, uh, December 15th. Uh, if you have questions about that, you can see me or Melody or uh, Justin. Uh, we have children's choir that goes on uh, before that at 5 o'clock. They will be performing uh, Sunday, December 19th, so make sure you uh, come and join us for that. Uh, the Giving Tree is in the lobby. Uh, we took all of the angels last week, which is awesome. Um, if you would still like to get a gift or uh, buy an angel, you can see uh, Casey, uh, or come see me and I'll, I'll take you to Casey. Uh, she's got a few more opportunities for that. But if you did take an angel, those are due back here, wrapped next Sunday, uh, December 12th, so we can uh, deliver on that week. Um, we have a budget meeting next Sunday, which is exciting. Uh, it'll be just immediately after church. We'll just come up to the front and do that. Uh, but there are um, copies of the budget on the back table if you would like to get one of those and see that uh, before the meeting. Uh, there's also a child care schedule on the back table for December through February. If you need one of those, um, if your name's not on there and you'd like to serve, you can see Melody, and she would gladly put you on there. Um, and then we have uh, candlelight Christmas Eve service here at the church at 6 o'clock. There are also invitations for that on the back table if you'd like to take some uh, and invite a friend or family member. Uh, lastly, uh, those Christmas offerings for the International Mission Board uh, envelopes are on the back table. Again, anything you put in there goes directly and, and completely to international missions. I think that's all I got for you. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. If you've got any questions about what's going on during this Christmas season, uh, come and see me, and I will try to get you some answers. But thank you for being here this week. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we hope to see you again next week. Mm -hmm.